From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Molly Marcello. This is your news for Tuesday, January 25th. The U.S. Department of Energy's Office of Legacy Management is turning their focus to abandoned uranium mines on tribal land. They are studying defense-related mines, those used for the U.S. nuclear program. The vast majority of these mines on tribal land are on the Navajo Nation. KZMU's Justin Higginbottom speaks with an official from the Defense-Related Uranium Mines Program about this issue. In the last century, companies dug tens of millions of tons of uranium ore from the Navajo Nation. That effort left the region dotted with potentially dangerous abandoned mines. Many are close to residences or areas used for recreation. Brent Lewis of the DOE is in the beginning stages of safeguarding these remnants of the uranium boom. They thought it was up to their uh, responsibilities to go out there and assist the land management agencies as well as the tribes to assess what type of conditions these mines are in, look at the hazards, and then where we can assist with safeguarding the physical hazards of the mines. He works on those mines once used or encouraged by the Atomic Energy Commission. There's around 270 abandoned mines on the Navajo Nation. 17 of those are within Utah. It's a small number, but with increased tourism in the area, they can be dangerous. There's a lot of ground disturbance, and we have what we call physical hazards, which could be, you know, adits, vertical shafts, high walls. We've noted on public land, recreation is increasing, and the unaware recreationalists, they can actually fall into shafts. It's happened before, or they are enticed by entering some of these adits just for adventure. Lewis is focused on the physical hazards of the mines, like open shafts. There are contamination risks, radioactive radium and heavy metals like arsenic. But he says the EPA, along with the tribes and the BLM, already have authority to address these issues. It's kind of interesting. It's a very tough question that we answer all the time is why do we just do physical hazards and not help with the contamination? Physical hazard portion of it with mining laws fell through the cracks. There's really no law that reaches back in time to force a previous mine operator to fix those physical hazards. His message for anyone that comes across an abandoned mine while in the backcountry is to be aware. These mines are actually are pretty dynamic, actually. They're at a, a vintage now where we're seeing a lot of subsidence, which can intersect county roads, hiking trails, things like that. And some of these are quite shallow, so that the ceiling on these old mines are, you know, a few feet thick. Those things are starting to collapse a little bit. We're seeing a lot of recreation increases in the desert southwest, and recreators beware, right? It's early days in the program, and the DOE is still coordinating with the Navajo Nation to first identify mines and create action plans. He's hoping to have teams in the field this fall. And after mines on tribal lands are dealt with, the DOE will turn to those on private land, likely sometime in 2024. Justin Higginbottom for KZMU News. In downtown Moab on a winter afternoon, the air is relaxed, quiet. Locals can be seen in their cars going to and from the store. Maybe there's a few pedestrians out with their dogs. It's very low-key. So low-key that occasionally you'll notice a little music. Today we have an audio portrait of Talon Wilhelm, the musician providing some ambiance for downtown Moab with his recorder.
The weirdest dreams that I've ever had is that I'm sitting out here playing music and I'm like singing. Uh -huh. I'm singing into the recorder and the recorder is playing the music. Usually I only have those dreams when I really, really need to go out and play music. <laughs> like something inside of me is like dying going, go play music, go play music. My name's Taylor Wilhelm. I'm uh, 42. I moved here to Moab about four years ago now. As far as the experiences that I've had, I'm getting too old to remember half of those, so. <laughs> um, I was talking to a guy the other day and he goes, what style of fingering are you using? Because I, I, I hear Baroque, but I also hear the traditional. You know, uh, Baroque is kind of more of a German style of fingering. Um, the truth is, is I mix the two together. <laughs> I've learned to play um, both styles, and therefore I've been able to put them together into one. You know, I've been playing for 30 years, and my fingers are kind of just used to it. I'd have to go back a little ways. I learned how to play the recorder anyway, back at the Colorado Boys Ranch in La Hanna, Colorado. Um, it was kind of one of those places for troubled youth. You probably read that along somewhere online. <laughs> but they taught me how to play. At 16, I had kind of run off from one of the group homes that I was in and landed myself up in Seattle and I saw this guy playing music on the streets. I was like, well, maybe that's something I should do to earn a living. I have heard that uh, I bring a certain ambiance to the town. Mood is more of a, uh, a feeling and an ambiance is more of a, a radiance or a sound. No matter how I play something, I always play it with a different feeling or mood. I think it's because naturally, because I grew up the way I did um, in state care, foster care, that sort of stuff, um, I have a lot more understanding of what feeling is. Um, and so that plays a lot in my music too. If I wasn't taught the recorder, I I almost hate to even think about that. <laughs> I mean, that's a scary thought. Honestly, it is. Yeah, I can't even fathom. I mean, I've done it for so long, it's just, I don't even know where I'd be. It's part of you. Yeah, it is. It is it's definitely part of me. And that's with most musicians. Um, their instrument is part of them. They've had it with them so long, it's almost um, merged with their, their mind and their soul. Me, this this recorder here I've had for about seven years, eight years, and it's treated me very, very well. It's like my best friend, other than my dogs. I mean, a lot of people come by and just tell me that they appreciate it. That's That means more to me as a human being, and you know, even that little interaction is a lot. Yesterday, some kid in City Market 
I was walking by the Starbucks and he come over and goes, dude, I've been wanting to, you know, give you this for the last two weeks. I've heard you playing and I think it's the most wonderful sound that we've ever heard here in Moab. Uh, or something along that lines. I may be stretching it a bit. But <laughs> um, he gave me a dollar. And I wasn't even expecting it. I wasn't even I wasn't even working. I was like, dude, you don't have to do that while I'm not playing if you don't want to. And he goes, no, I want to. So comments like that are some of the best. Um, it makes me feel good. It makes me feel like I'm doing something right. That's Talon Wilhelm. You can find him playing the recorder in downtown Moab. Some favorite spots include in front of the co-op and along Main Street. This was a KZMU audio portrait, a non-narrated profile of this place and its people. Listener, if there's someone out there you think we should profile, reach out to news at kzmu.org. And that's the KZMU News for Tuesday, January 25th. Get your community-powered journalism Monday through Friday at noon and 7. You can also find KZMU News anytime online at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts.